Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Blacial Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, February the 22nd. Uh, we are going to talk UVA basketball, as painful uh, as that may be, and I can honestly tell you this is the first time, whew, maybe, did we do a show after the Elite Eight last year? Probably so. Uh, that was that was difficult to to have, but we're gonna we're gonna try to have a frank and somewhat, um, a, a, you know, a very honest sort of conversation about kind of where things are, and maybe where they're not um, for this team going into Saturday's game down in Raleigh. Three more games to go in the ACC schedule. Um, it's 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 weird to talk about Virginia basketball in, in this way, but we're we're gonna have to. Um, Let's go around and introduce everybody, and everybody tonight means David Spence up in Fishersville is back on the show. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you, Brad. It is a pleasure to be here to talk about bad basketball for the first time in the history of the podcast. Um, yeah, who days on the board at who days on Twitter? Is it really the first? Yeah, I guess it kind of is. Yeah. I mean, basketball's I, been really good since podcast started. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for in game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. I would like to believe. Um, I would like to believe. I would like to state first off that Justin Ferber is not on the show because he, uh, someone put his internet is out, and apparently it's been out for like a week or something. I don't know. Um, either that, or he just really doesn't want to be on the show. But <laughs> interestingly enough, I joked with him when he told me that he wasn't going to be able to be on the show that he should send in some type of uh, uh, manifesto, is the word I used in the text, and so he did. It's very short. And I'll read it really quickly, and I'll let this kind of be a nice little jumping-off point for our conversation here without him. Quote, The staff planned the roster for two years around Austin Nichols and assumed he'd be the guy in the post. Hence the void they have now. The shooters aren't as bad as they've shown lately, but they're probably not as good as they were early in the season either. The best offensive players are a liability on the defensive end and vice versa, creating clunky lineups that don't fit well together. Unquote. Um, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with... I don't know any of that. Like, I, I think the point about um, the best defensive players, or excuse me, he said the best offensive players are liability on defensive end and vice versa. I honestly think that that piece added in with the fact that Tony has to try a bunch of different guys uh, every night to see who's on and who's not, uh, to see what matchups work and which ones don't. I honestly feel like that the idea that that the guys who are good on one end aren't good on both ends that, that, that they don't have any completeness right the thing what's that's one of you know the Tony Bennett terms that they're not complete plus the fact that he has to play so many guys that they just never get into a rhythm um I, I that that to me uh is a is the fundamental issue with this team look we knew we knew they were going to be limited in the post um you know, even with even with Nichols, you, you had to assume that there was going to be some growing pains for him. This was a you know he hadn't played in a season. This was going to be a year where I mean, look, Anthony Gill was good coming out, but he wasn't like great, great right out of the out of the gate, right? Um, it takes a little bit of time to to not just learn the pack line, but to 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 play it well. It takes a little bit of time to get used to the offense, be a blocker, mover, um, fit in with your new teammates and stuff like that. Actually, in games, even if he had been at full potential. You know, let's say he went into the season raring to go. He was clearly the guy, um, and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Um, even if he, even if he, even if he goes in as the guy, there would have been some growing pain. So I think when folks, I've said this before, when you think about 
Nichols, you need to under you need to be realistic. He wasn't going to be like all ACC, boom, right out of the gate. It was going to take him a little bit of time. Even if you, but we knew that 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 that, that they were going to have some limitations in the post, and certainly knew that once he was kicked off the team. I think Justin's right about the shooters. I don't think they're nearly as bad as they've shown. I do think that maybe they weren't necessarily as good as they had shown previously either. I mean, they were, they went from being like first in the league to being like seventh or eighth in the league in a week. I mean, just think about the numbers that that, that entails. Like that's just you know. And I look, I know, I know that people out there have watched the game. So so some of the what we're going to say here tonight is not news. But the the driving thing I want to I want to hit home on is this. This is the first time. And like Dave said, the first time in the history of this podcast, really, that we've talked negatively or had to talk about bad basketball, right? The thing did not flip overnight just because a jump-shooting team suddenly didn't hit jump shots. Like, they covered up a lot of warts, making a lot of jumpers. And, I mean, I think about that Clemson game. Like, they're turning the ball over left and right. Clemson's eaten alive in the post. And yet Virginia was able to stay in that game and win that game because they made shots. Like, that doesn't all of a sudden make you a bad basketball team. Just like injuries don't make you a bad basketball team when you lose. But what it does mean is that you have to do all of the little things right. You know, you can't be missing free throws the way they are. You can't be, you know, not turning offensive rebounds into second chance points. You can't, you can't be just mediocre on the defensive end. What's funny to me is that at about the same time I feel like their defense got better, their offense just took a total nosedive. And that doesn't make a lot of sense considering what we've seen from this program. Um, but my one silver bullet, so to speak, in this in this conversation is going to be this. Last year they had Malcolm Brogdon as their go-to guy on both ends. This year they have a go-to guy on offense who, who, who I mean, realistically, London is a more, much more comfortable as a facilitator, and I think we're starting to see why. Can he score? Yes. Can he carry the load every night being, you know, what is he, 6'1", 6'2"? I mean, I don't know what they list him at, but... He's not, a, he's not a big guy. He's not going to get into the lane. You know, uh, He doesn't have that type of skill set. He's not John Gillen from Syracuse, as I'm watching them play Duke earlier. You know, He's just not that guy. And they also have a lot of other dudes who are role players filling bigger roles. And this was a transitional year. And that's not to wipe away any of what you've seen. That's just to put context to it. And so I think that if you were expecting Virginia to be top 10, um, Maybe some of this is on you. I, I thought Virginia could be really good. Then Nichols got kicked off the team, and then I wondered, all right, how good can they be? And they continued to play pretty well. Look, it wasn't that long ago they had a double-digit lead on the number one team in the country on the road, okay? It's not like they forgot how to play basketball. It's not like Tony Bennett forgot how to coach. I think that the, the lack of completeness on both ends is hurting them. I think that they're all in a funk. I think they're all in each other's heads. They're all in their heads about it. Listening to Lennon Perantis after the pre, uh, at the press conference the other night, you know, he talk, he, he's kind of self-deprecatingly talking about, you know, his slump. He is super aware of what's going on. All of these guys are very aware. Um, your, only, your only hope at this point is that they, they get it figured out and, and get a nice little run going because, Lord have mercy, they have certainly um, not been using up that, that good luck lately. I mean, everything has been bad from bad to worse and then considering getting considerably worser. That's not a word. I don't care. So I think that if I had to put a, um, a, um, a kind of a, a quick frame around it, it's that they're not quite as good as, as they were playing at some times, but they're better than what they've shown. And realistically, it's going to come down to them making shots, and that's going to be increasingly frustrating 
for fans, um, observers. And, and look, I understand it's tough watching people taking shots at UVA basketball the way they have this week. Uh, I get it. You know, I, I, I totally understand it. Um, you know, these are folks who have been waiting uh, with, with carving knives for a few years now, and they came out the other night. Um, and you're going to see lots of, like, even the next night when Tech's playing, you see all these folks referencing the night before as if that matters in any way, shape, or form. Like, um, they're just people that are, are going to take their shots now. That's just the nature of being uh, kind of where you were. Uh, and, 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 too, I think where they're going to go. Um, I, I, Ferber also sent another second half of this um, manifesto for, for us to, to, to read on the show. Dave, do you want me to read that before you talk, or would you, would you rather – do you have some – some pressing things you want to respond to as to what I said. No, let, uh, let's finish up the, the manifesto. Okay. This is Justin's other half. Quote, I liked what I saw of Mamadi the other night, and they need him to play more. He's going to make mistakes, but at least he shows flashes. Play Guy and Jerome more, too, maybe even at the same time with Perantes or Devin Hall. The biggest thing that needs changing is the assertiveness from everyone. Nobody seems willing to take a big shot, and it's leading to too much extra passing and weak shots at the end of the clock. The guys just need to trust themselves to get it done and be okay with failing, unquote. I, 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 I said something similar um, on the board the other day that basically, like, dude, just need to play ball. Like, they got to stop thinking about it. They got to be stop worrying about missing shots. Go out there, play. Boom. Dave, react. Give me some of your thoughts. You got to see the Miami game up close and personal because um, you happen to be sitting on the front row. You lucky so-and-so. Um <laughs> It, you've had a little bit of time now removed from it, and you've obviously had a while because I don't think you you weren't on the show last week. Maybe that was it. Maybe not having you, you not being there last week is, is where this all came from. But give me some some thoughts and ideas. I mean, one of the things we talked about early in the season was can a team be good when there's not an alpha to score, you know, an alpha dog on the offense? Um, and early in the season, you had London shooting great you had Shayok when he first got put in the starting role was playing probably the best all-around game he had played in a while um Kyle was coming off the bench and giving you points and then Ty was doing it and Isaiah was hitting that you know, mid-range jumper like every all the pieces were working together where it was okay not to have an alpha dog um if you look back in the last few years where we've had more success there have been games where the team stymies and last year, Malcolm carried us. There was a few games last year that Malcolm kind of took the ball and, and got us back in the game. That's not London's game. I mean, he he just can't do that. Uh, he doesn't have the size, or you know, he's a heck of a player, but he, he's not a shot creator like like Malcolm could. Malcolm was. Um, so I mean, it's just it just so happens that not only is the team performing poorly, they're doing it against some very good teams. Um, I think it's. I think we're all kind of overreacting a little bit just because it, you know, it's a four game losing streak, which we haven't seen in forever, but I believe it's the longest streak since Tony's been here. Um, I could be wrong. I know his first year they lost like eight games in a row, eight or nine in a row. Yeah. Since his first year. Um, but I think it might be as long as ACC losing streak. It's something this Kane was talking about it after the game. Anyway, um, but in reality, the only game that they really, really played poorly in for the whole game was Carolina. Um, that was probably the worst game we've seen in a while, and it was kind of a perfect storm. You know, um, we couldn't make anything, and and they're a very good team playing at home. Um, 
you know, but the tech game, Virginia was in it, should have won it Monday. Um, Miami game, same thing. It's just failing to convert at the free throw line. So I think those two games, the, the bookends, the tech and the Miami game, look, we did enough to win the game except make free throws. Both of those, both of those games could have been won with free throws and maybe we're not throwing out everything saying the whole team is terrible. Um, and even the Duke game ended up being a 10-point game, but Virginia was right there at the end. Tatum just went off, um, and let, they weren't open shots he was hitting. I mean, uh, that just happened. So I, I think the fact that the four are stringed together, and we've had some kind of these late collapses in other games, it, it makes it seem worse than it is. Um, but I think you're right. I mean, Tony's always going to rely on his defense and want his defense to be good. And then if you look, I mean, we held Duke to 65. We held, I can't remember what the score of the Tech game was going into overtime, but, you know, the defense did pretty well in that game. And then uh, Monday night, you know, Miami didn't score 40 until the last few minutes of the game of, of regulation. So you can see why, even though the offense wasn't clicking, the defense was playing well. So, you know, is inserting guy or you know, Mamadi are, are going really young to get more offensive firepower on the team. Are you going to score more points than you're going to give up in a game that close? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I don't think you can wait till the end of the game to make that decision. It's got to be something you're doing throughout the game. Right. And I don't know. It's you made some good points. I mean, the offense. Look, I, I, Justin mentioned it too. Look, we knew not having Nichols was going to be a problem, and just the way we were shooting the ball early in the season kind of covered it up but the team the teams we're playing have no respect for our post game which makes the blocker mover offense even harder and i think you mentioned really muddy think you asked the question to tony about the screening i I think that was you post game wasn't tony if you thought the screens were i was i was agreeing with you by by not saying anything but yes (laughs) yeah and you could see it you know the the nice seats i had monday you could see just I mean, look, the guys are fighting through the screens because they really had no fear of of the blocker slipping and getting the, a post pass because we just don't do it. It wasn't even it wasn't even that. It was I mean, like I I think back to the Duke game, like guys were not being like they weren't they weren't being screened. Oh like, yeah, yeah, that too. Like, and I I think that um I think that Duke did a good job of keeping the blockers away from the lane a little bit. And I think that threw off some of Virginia's timing, but realistically, like guys were just not being screened. And I, th- I don't know if that's if part of that is guys are afraid of getting called for moving screens or not. But the bottom line is is that that aspect of the offense isn't working. Now they've uh, they've added some wrinkles. I mean, I've seen some some times where guys historically would just go around a screen, and this time there there there's more double double screen action. They're going through and they're coming back and. Uh, there have been some wrinkles. I, I hope people don't think that Virginia's running the same stuff. Um, you know, they've abandoned it, the the blocker mover and gone with some more ISO stuff. They've definitely done. Um, you know, they've run some. They've run some action that um, that while different has res- has basically produced the same results. And I get why folks are frustrated with that. I, I want to take a step back. One, Tony's first year in Charlottesville, Virginia lost uh, eight games in a row. Lost. Uh, uh, hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Sorry, nine games in a row, ten of their last eleven. So it, there's a lot worse that it could be. Now that being said, um, I, I want to highlight a couple things. One, Justin said, you know, about Mommy playing more. If I had my druthers, if I had the magic wand or whatever, I think at this point in the season, given what you've seen, 
I think you play uh you 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 start uh Perantes, Hall, Guy, um Wilkins and, and Diakite. And then you your first sub in off the bench is Thompson. And let uh either Thompson or Hall run point uh with Perantes either playing the two or off the off the floor. Um and you basically shorten the rotation to those six plus uh Ty Jerome and Merrill Shayok, you bring in them off the bench as you need. Um, you play four guard as you need with either Wilkins or Diakite as your lone big. I, I think it would be best to only play Salt in matchups where it makes sense, um, and I think it would also be best to um, to limit Reuter, Reuter's minutes to basically foul trouble requirements only. Um, I, I think that would be good on two fronts. One, it's clear to me, unless, uh, unless Diakite can start to score a little bit more, um, it's clear to me that Virginia having two bigs on the floor is a bad thing. Um, you, you get some benefit of it uh, defensively, and I think that was clear. He's, he's, he's blocked some shots. He's been lost at times too, but he's blocked some shots, and I think he's had some good moments. I think you have to sort of live with them. Um, but it, it, they're at their best, I think, when they have more guards on the floor. I think more guards on the floor is a good thing because that means guys are getting opportunities. And this is going to fuel my biggest point. And... Well, look, we're we're about twenty minutes in now, so I feel like I can drop the truth bombs without folks uh, running to social media and 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 making a big deal of it. But listen to me. Virginia plays a style that requires two things: good defense and efficiency. All right, the defensive part of things they've actually sort of rounded into shape. They they they're not consistent as other teams have been. They're certainly not as dominant as other teams have been, but they're they're good enough. Okay, if they were making shots right now, they wouldn't be losing games. All right. The second part of that equation is efficiency. They are so inefficient right now, it is not even funny. Like, it's not just that they're missing shots. It's the where the shots come from, when they come, who's shooting them, what's going on around them, the situations. I mean, there are definitely times where they're trying to pump the ball in the salt just because, and that makes sense on some level, right? They want to get the post-touch just to give something else for the defense to have to react to, except basically they can just react to that with one dude. And it's almost like they don't have to work on that possession. And not to mention that getting the ball into him is a, is a circus, right? One of the things that this style of play requires is efficiency because you do not have a lot of possessions, right? And so what it does is it makes every possession you do have it extremely important, right? It's exponentially important because you don't get all of these opportunities to score. Now, every turnover is problematic. Every missed free throw is problematic. Every time that you get a runner in the lane that gets stripped or you try to dump the ball off and it gets batted around or whatever is is problematic. It's essentially, without that efficiency, this offense cannot last. And and I don't, I don't mean that in the dramatic fashion that it sounds. I mean it as, that's just a fact, man. Like, I almost am at the point where I think Virginia's only... Virginia's only way forward is look play very good defense on one end but then get your butt down and take a shot right I don't think you have to give up who you are defensively and to to play a little faster to take shots a little earlier in the clock I think the best thing that Virginia could do right now is say to its players take the shot no matter what you have on the clock. Don't worry about working the offense. I think too many times they're trying too hard to work the offense. This wasn't a problem when they were making shots because the shots were being made, Guys, were, the defense was having to re- respond. Now they can just sit in their defense and basically wait until you shoot. And there's a very real difference between waiting until you shoot and having to react to a guy who's shooting well, right? 
I really think Virginia's best best bet at this point, regardless of who's playing. I, honestly, it doesn't even matter what the lineups and rotations are. They need to take the shots that they get no matter when they come in the clock, and they have to be okay with that. And guys have to be under – and they have to understand that they might ma- miss some. They might miss 10 in a row. Who cares? You need to take shots. You need opportunities, okay? You're not the efficient team you were a month, uh, two weeks ago. You got to be mindful of that. You got to you essentially the only way to get through this is to shoot your way through it, and you're not going to shoot your way through it getting you know peanuts in terms of possessions a game. And I think that to me is the thing is the one the one you can't change your personnel. You're not going to all of a sudden put in a brand new offense. You're not going to become a different team. You're not going to you know what I'm saying? Like you're going to be who you are. The one thing you can change is how quickly you do stuff. And I think that, that this team, especially, more so than any Virginia team I can remember, needs to play a little faster. They need to be okay taking shots early in the clock. They need to be okay every once in a while, you know, being fine trying to get up the floor. You know, you, you can pick your spots. You, you, you might not have a, a, an incredibly experienced roster, but you've got enough experience for guys to know what they, what they can and what they can't do. And so, I, to me, if there's, if there's one overarching thing I think Virginia can do, aside from maybe shortening the rotation and kind of going with a more small lineup and, and making that the plan and planning your minutes around it, um, I, I think going a little faster, taking some earlier shots, and, and trying to get a few more possessions. Because, listen, even if, even if the other team maybe, – maybe you're giving up a little bit because the other team's not having to work as hard on defense. You know what? They're not working that hard right now. Like, yep. you're missing shots late in the clock, and I'm telling you, some of these shots are literally not there. Like, you're taking these shots late in the clock that are just bunk, and you're not making anybody work. So at least, at least do, the sol- do yourself a solid and take shots that are available to you. How many, how many possessions I've seen Virginia in the last week or so ta- end, essentially, with a shot clock winding down and a, and a shot that they shouldn't take, after they passed up one, if not more, shots that they should have taken? And that's one of the problems, I guess, when you when you uh, when you're in a transitional years, nobody's comfortable. Like that's the other thing is like this team, nobody looks comfortable. Like the the like I I, I kind of stuck up for Darius Thompson from the other night because he was the one guy who was able to to be aggressive and get a shot. Now maybe he wasn't making them, but they were good shots. They were good takes. You know, um, I, I feel like that's Virginia's biggest problem right now is you're not going to get the looks you were getting you're going to get looks that, that the defense gives you. And so you're going to have to take them when they give them to you. Yeah, it goes back. This came up on the board, and we had talked about in an earlier podcast, just the physicality of this team versus previous previous years. Um, look, last year it made sense to run 15, 20, 25 seconds on the clock every time down because you had big dudes who were, laying, were screening guys and just wearing that defense out. Um, this year – Look, maybe if we were better screeners, maybe maybe if we were, were better offense, then it made more sense. But you're right. If you go back and rewatch that Miami game, I guarantee you half the possessions there was a shot within the first or second pass that was better than what we ended up with. And it's probably three quarters of the possessions. It was not good. Um, and like, there's a part of me that thinks like the other defense knows we're not going to shoot early. They relax when they come down the court. I mean, they've just worked against our defense, which is can be exhausting. And then they come down and they get a chance to breathe for 15 seconds because we're going to pass up the shot. So, you know, this version of this team this year needs to take advantage of those early shot clock things. You know, get some rhythm going, get some confidence going in the offense. Um, you know, like you said, the defense has been good enough to keep them in games. Uh, 
it still one of the best defenses in the country. You know, despite the fact that the offense isn't scoring, which is just mind-boggling. You know, other teams when their offense is future, their defense tends to follow suit. Um, so that says a lot about the team. But you know, this year, as much as we've talked about the absence of a true post player, like having that wing and the Joe Harris, Justin Anderson, Malcolm Brogdon mold who can shoot the three, drive the ball, and dish it. Like as good as London is, and as as important he's been to our success the last four year, years, that's probably the key to this offense. Because you know, Shayok, you know, God love him. When he touches the ball in our offense right now, if he doesn't shoot right away, if he touches the ball below the free throw line, extended, if he doesn't shoot right away, the offense doesn't do anything. Everything stops. Like, Everything yeah. stops. I think we talked about it in the text. Right? I mean, it's almost like he's playing ISO and he's what makes him hard to defend that kind of skitterish movements, you know, the skitterish movements he makes also makes it hard for his teammates to read what he's yeah. doing. His, so you can almost see yeah. the rest of the team stop. Right. One of the things, the one of, and one, you're, oh, this is such a good point. Like one of the things that makes this offense really run is that people don't stop moving. Yeah. Well, look, Mariel's look, he he can cook. I mean, he man, that kid can cook. Like if you think about the Clemson game, his his mid-range stuff is is filthy. And so he can take he can catch and get a little shimmy sh- shimmy shoulder and boom, he's gone, right? That's not there anymore. Teams are defending him differently. And so all he's doing right now, it looks like, is catching, holding, and the offense just stalls. And and it gives one, it gives the defense a chance to catch up. So if so, any movement because that's the other thing. Guys are running around on both sides of the floor. That's the whole idea of this system is that it's designed so that that the that that the ball can go in a multiple in multiple directions. That's not happening right now. Like you can see where the pass is going to go well before it goes there. It's it's almost like you're you're watching a, a quarterback, you know, telegraph the the pass out to the flat, and you're just waiting for the DB to jump it and take it back for six, right? Like Shayak can cook. But he's not—he's not there right now, and he's—he either he's completely lost his touch or his confidence or both, and it's killing the offense. And I'm not—I don't—I don't want to let all—I don't think it's all that, but that is certainly yeah. an aspect of it. And that's why I think when you see Thompson driving to the lane, right, he's probably the one of the best finishers on the team. Um, I think that's good for Virginia. Like it's good when they drive because good things generally happen when they're aggressive and decisive. One thing I want to hark back on, though, you mentioned about not having Malcolm and, and Justin, but what they don't have right now are big physical defenders, right? And I think big yeah. physical defenders are one of the keys to this because it wears the other team down. It's not – I think that was one of the things maybe we did not even realize until they weren't there anymore. But, like, like those guys – like, it's one thing to play Virginia's defense and have to get a shot up, okay? But it's another thing when you're having to play that Virginia's defense with these big physical dudes – that you have to get around over, or or some, or 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 basically just give you know, or or you know, create turnovers, get block shots, whatever. And I think that that has a cumulative effect too. I'm I'm not entirely sure that that cumulative effect is not as important, if not more important, than how long you make them go, right? So when you yeah. are having to stop Malcolm Brogdon or Justin Anderson and then be defended by them, I think that was a very different reality. Like right now, I'm watching Duke and Syracuse earlier. By the way, crazy finish. I'm watching Duke and Syracuse earlier, and like Jason Tatum is guarding uh, Tyler Lydon. And then next thing I know, he's guarding uh, the Gillen kid. And I'm thinking to myself, Malcolm Brogdon used to do that. Is there a single guy like on this team that you could see, other than Devin? Devin's the only dude who can like guard multiple people, right? Maybe Mommy will get there eventually. But like none of these guys have that versatility. And it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a function of the fact that they're just not physically 
the same dudes, right? And and I feel like in some ways, expecting Virginia to have been the same, or even coaching them, or like putting them in a position where they're supposed to be the same, it was somewhat detrimental, right? It's like for years you had a dual threat quarterback and now you've got a pocket passer and you're asking him to be a dual threat quarterback. What this team needs is is a little bit more offensive punch. I have said all season, this group gets its defensive energy from its offense. Right now, they're they're producing pretty well on the defensive end considering how bad their offense has been. And it's it, there were definitely moments in that Miami game where you where you got the feeling that their their defense was actually kind of spurring them on. But I don't think I don't think they're nearly as bad as they have shown um, because I watched them for most of the season shoot it pretty well. I think that, as I said elsewhere, two things. Different guys on different nights and unselfish to a fault. When you put those two things together and guys aren't making shots, it's bad. It is bad, bad. And I think if there's anything that I would change about this group right now, it's letting them just play ball. Like Stop thinking, stop worrying, just go play. London doesn't need to carry the team. Like, everything can't be he's going to go get you a shot, all right? I, I don't know if it's because, you know, maybe maybe this is similar to that year when they went on the last foreign trip and then guys started to lose their legs late in the year. I don't know. But I just kind of feel like the best thing for this team right now is to have a smaller rotation, four-guard lineup, get them, let them get shots up early in the clock, be aggressive. I feel like one of the reasons that Kyle has had some issues is because he's not able to be as aggressive, as he as he maybe naturally wants to be. Ty, Ty Jerome, similar thing. Darius Thompson, similar thing. And I'm not saying don't play London or don't play Shayok. I'm just saying that like you need to give other guys opportunities um, because right now what you're what you're working with doesn't work. And at some level, you got it. You, you got other options. You got to try them. Yeah, one thing that kind of um, you know the the offense is so you know it takes so much synergy for that offense to work well. Like everyone has to read what the, what the guy's doing, what he's going to do after he does that. Um, and yeah, it's, you see it like the starters, even though the results haven't been well, they tend to run the offense the best. It's when like, I don't, I, I don't want us to go to like the, you know, the big blue, little blue Dean Smith days and, and play guys together because they're used to it. But I think you're right. You're shortening the rotation and, it, it can't hurt at this point because this offense does require pre- precision. Um, the defense, they seem to be playing better, it, but offensively, um, I think that's where it hurts them. I mean, frequent subs and, and different lineups and different looks. And, you know, it's, it's almost, it's hard to say, you know, cause it's, it's hard to tell early in the game who's going to be hot later on, but I would like to see us more, you know, short in the rotation, play the hot hand in the second half and, and be willing to play the hot hand and not go back to, to the original starting lineup, which I believe the overtime of Miami is the first time he hasn't started the original starting five other than foul trouble um, since he went to salt and Shayok. So that was um, encouraging. Well, no, he, he started the, a different lineup, I think at tech. And I don't think that was foul trouble. Driven, yeah. I couldn't right? remember. If it was fun, but yeah, it's I me. Mean, that's encouraging. But I think you're having just based on the Miami game, um, like Mamadi needs to play more. I, I think the other teams fear Mamadi more because well, look, I, teams I, fear guys who can make them look bad. Well, it's not just that; it's that teams on when you when you put something different and special in the mix, right? Look, teams can't can't 
can't like plan on, hey, let's do this thing and then Mommy's going to get lost, right? What they can't plan for either is, all right, if I drive the lane, that dude can leap. And he's actually, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, I've watched him. He's getting better at his timing. Like, he's getting better at not jumping early. He's getting a better feel for where the ball is. I'm telling you, every minute that that kid plays, even when he makes mistakes, you're better off with him having played it because it's a it's an investment, man. I'm telling you. Like, if there's anything that I would, like, go back in a, in a time machine, go back to the beginning of the year and say, listen, play this kid. Like, there were definitely games, and I'm not going to all of a sudden pretend that reality isn't real, Okay. There were definitely games where Salt's screening was impressive, okay, and it was important. And I'm not—I don't want to—I don't want to shy away from that, okay. But my point here is, is that every—I feel—I feel really strongly about this. That every minute you play Monte Diakite, something good comes of it later. Maybe in the moment he gets lost, and, and as he admitted on that video that I posted this afternoon, he still has some trouble sometimes with English. He's not sometimes he, he can't understand like what's being asked of him. And you would think like, oh, he's been in the states for. But I mean, like if you think about heat of the moment, like that's not a time when you want like when you want your brain to be doing some translation. You know what I mean? Like that's tough. Yeah. Right. And but every minute he plays, the more situations he's in, like I know there are times when he's lost on both ends of the floor where he's supposed to be somewhere he's not. And Isaiah is yelling at him. to get like Zay might have a coronary trying to get this kid in the right place. But the more he plays, the better it is. I'm telling you, like when he plays consistent minutes in a game, good things typically happen. Is he going to foul out sometimes? Sure. Is he going to make some bonehead plays? Yeah. But you know what he can do? He gives you something in to protect the rim. And this team does not have the defenders to sit down in a roadblock like they had with Malcolm Brogdon and basically dare people to go through them. They just don't have that right now. And so you have to be mindful of that. And I also think he's he does have some decent ball skills. Like I feel like you can throw him a pass and he can catch it. You know what I mean? And yeah. like that that <laughs> fundamental aspect has been killing Virginia Bigs all season long, all right? And I, look, I like again I'll, I'll say it before, I'll say it again. I know that a lot of what we're talking about, right, is not revolutionary. We're not you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here, but what we are doing, I think, is having a, a an honest conversation about the issues, right? And so much of what of what ails Virginia can be fixed, and so much of it can't. And that's just that's got to be okay with you. You got to be okay to see guys taking shots and, and missing them. The only way they're going to shoot out of this thing is to shoot. There's no other way out but through. And the other thing too is that like you got to be okay with make uh, seeing mommy make mistakes. You got to be okay with if 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 Kyle or Ty are in the game, maybe they're not as good defensively. Maybe you do have guys open for threes in the corner. But at some level, they're not going to be able to fix uh, who they are by doing the same thing. Maybe they all of a sudden, you know, they get hot and guys get more comfortable. Timing is going to be better once they start making shots. Um, you know, Syracuse lost four in a row last year and then, you know, went to the Final Four. Uh, I, I think that you can't, you can't make the jump from, well, we've lost four in a row, so we suck. Like, I just don't think you can make that. I think you can say that Virginia's not nearly as good as they looked earlier in the year, and that this is super problematic, and if they continue to do it like this, they're going to get blown out uh, you know, really early. They're going to lose their first game in Brooklyn. They're going to lose their first game in the NCAA tournament, and it's going to be you know, even worse of a year. But listen, can we just put a little bit of a realistic kind of hue on this thing? Can I just polish this, this a little bit? Like, guys, like, this was always a rebuilding year. I know this is London senior year, and I know that they brought back a lot of dudes, but like a whole lot of guys were either playing in new roles or playing new in general, okay? I know Virginia hasn't had a rebuilding year in a while, and I know that the Nichols thing is, is it, it's, like the, it, it's, it's, it's like this uh, it's like this drug you just can't 
leave, right? It's it's impossible to think about this team and not say, but only if I get it. But listen, it's a transitional year, and there are going to be moments where they look bad in a transitional year. Every it happens to everybody, right? It's if there's any if there's any sign yet that Virginia's not quite there as a program, it's that great programs do not have consistently this type of year. And I think it's important right now for us to remember that what. A week and a half ago, this team was a half a game out of first place, right? Not that yep. long ago, they were you know up on the number one team in the country on the road. Like they're they're still they're they, they're they're not they're still good at basketball. They're just not quite as good as as maybe we thought they were. They got to shoot better, and I know that that's a frustrating reality because the only thing that can happen now is for them to just go out and take a bunch of shots, and you got to wait and see what happens. I get it, I get it, I promise you, I get it. But please do yourself a favor, do yourself a solid. I. I make a habit on the message board of, of telling you, of advising you what to be excited about, what not to be excited about, what to put your uh, hopes into and what not. Like, don't, don't ride or die on, what, on every jump shot. Don't ride or die on whether or not this team makes it to the Elite Eight. Like, let them, let it play out. You know, hope to see improvement. You know, so they hit a huge wall. They've, they have hit a, a, a historically bad stretch of games in terms of shooting the ball, okay? But I also think that, at the same time, you have to be mindful that, like, hey, they were earlier parts of the season when they were shooting pretty well, and that maybe that this isn't quite uh, this last this stretch is not quite as 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 bad uh, as it might have looked. Um, and I and I like I say, we you can be realistic, like you can say like two things can be true at the same time. You can both say that they're they're in a horrible stretch. And they can't hit the broadside of a barn. And you can also say, but they're not quite as bad as they look. You can say that, like they have no post game, and that is going to kill this their chances this season. And then also say that maybe Mamadi Dikite playing and making mistakes is good for the team. You can say that you should play uh, small because that's their best chance to win, and also realize that that doesn't mean like everybody else is a bust, right? Like there, two things can be true at once, even if they one might be positive, one might be negative. I'm just asking folks to. Um, to do their best to resist the urge to give in to frustration that I'm going to be honest with you, I think extends from football. I genuinely think that, and I know this because I, I can feel it in my own heart. Like when, when football got, got bad every year, you know what I knew? I said, but you know what? The basketball season will be here soon and it'll be okay. People will be in a good mood. I'll write stuff that people care about that they'll actually want to read and it'll be fun. Okay. It'll be fine. And this past season when football got rough again and people are just angry and they're frustrated and recruiting isn't going all that great either and they're not blowing the doors off, I could say, you know what? Basketball season's going to be here soon. They're a top 10 program. People are going to want to read stuff I write. So, get, so trust me, I get it. My, my, my life, my, my, my job, my, my, whether my kid eats, depends on whether or not Virginia wins games. Trust me, I get it. Okay? I get it more than you do. No offense. I get it more than you do. So just – but – this is not that bad. I know it sucks, and I know it's rough. Okay, I get it. I, <laughs> I get it. But guys, it's not that bad. Like, all like uh, these people, like on the like talking about like firing Tony Bennett on Twitter. Like these people that come at me, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it's it's a bad stretch in a transitional year. You know what? If they lose every game from here on out, you know, and they and they and they. Uh, and every player on the team decides to transfer some, feel free to be all like, whoa, is, you know, the world's ending. But, like, we're not there yet, man. Everybody needs to just understand that, like, this team is going to have its ups and downs. And they might surprise the crap out of you. You might feel like a fool in a week. That's, that's just the nature of, of inconsistency. Sometimes it's really high and sometimes it's really low. They're just really low right now.
Yeah, it's like I say, I mean, I really think we all are pushing the narrative that Virginia came out and lost four four games by double digits. But in reality, they had a double digit lead at, at Tech, couldn't close the deal with at the free throw line. Uh, I know I'm reiterating this, but I think it's important to realize the Duke game was tied late, very late, and Tatum hit some big threes. And a top and, five and a top five kid made top yeah. five plays. That's the bo- yeah. long and short of it. And then Miami, one or two of those front ends of one and ones, and we're probably. Miami probably never gets back in that game. So it's like the margin for error is, and a lot of that's because the defense keeps the team in the game. So as frustrated as I get with Tony running defense, you you can make the argument, you know what, we were in both of those games despite the bad shooting because of our defense. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, this team, look, they're not going to go, <laughs> I can't remember what the total was at Carolina, but at one point I'm pretty sure they were like 0 for 15 from three. Um I mean, law of averages say they're going to come out of some game and hit seven or eight threes out of 15 um, and just blow the doors off of them. Heck, even that Carolina game, I mean, there was a point where we had missed like double-digit three-pointers, and Carolina still couldn't get a big lead on us. They were still only 12 points up. We weren't scoring. (laughs) So it's – Virginia is not horrible. They're just not what they were in the past, and they're a team that doesn't have a post threat who's going to to rely on jump shots. Um, and despite that, they've been in every game this year with the exception of the Carolina game. Um, I don't know that making a free throw at the end of the tech game or the Miami game or holding off Villanova changes who this team is, but it certainly changes our perception of them. That's a good Um, point. You know, that's a really, and I I do wonder if psychologically it would change for them, you know, losing that tech game and then having to turn around on such a small, you know, given so much energy and then having to play the games that they played. I mean, let's be honest, too. Like, they played Duke. Not a very good matchup for them because of Duke's versatility. Uh, Carolina should be a better matchup and was in some ways, but they just couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And and like Roy Williams said tonight, like, he's not really sure, like, if, if if his team had much to do with what Virginia did. And then Miami, in some ways, is a tough matchup because they're fine. They're fine slowing it down. They're, they're, they, they weren't setting the world on fire either, you know? And, and I believe that that's a much better team than a lot of people give them credit for. Um, that uh, Brown kid is a great freshman. Uh, Murphy's pretty good. I know they didn't have Juice Newton, but, I mean, look, that's still a good team. But it's not like they, were, it's not like they went out there and lost to, like, Longwood, Radford, and, and like, um, um, North, uh, Southwest uh, South Carolina State. I mean, like, they're p- losing to ACC teams who are going to play in the NCAA tournament. That's, I, think that's, I think that should be noted. And, listen, I'm not saying you got to go in there and look for um, the best-case scenario. I'm not saying you got to be looking for moral victories either. Like, we can be honest and say, like, they're playing really badly. But also, too, yeah. maybe, they're, maybe we don't need to, like, blow up the whole team and everything needs to change. And, you know, we have to have a thousand Y threads on the board. You back yourself off from the ledge, man. Like this is the part of the part of the thing about having a successful program is that you get used to success. You don't get used to having to handle four game losing streaks, and that's good in some ways. Yeah. But it's also like you have to you kind of have to understand like, hey, look, this is just a situation we're in this year. It's not going to be like this forever. And I understand it's like this forever in football. It's not going to be like this forever in basketball. They, this is a very different animal. Like this is just a very different animal. And you have to understand that. Yeah, I mean, the ACC look, we've got three games left, right? Um, I mean, who knows where Virginia ends up finishing in, in the in the standings? You know, if they hadn't lost the, those bookend games we're talking about, you know, they're 10-5 and five and sitting right there within shouting distance of second. Um, 
you know, just a couple games back from Carolina and a chance to play Carolina. So they're not that far away. Now, the chances of us getting a double bye are pretty slim at this point, especially with um, Syracuse losing tonight. I mean, winning tonight. Um, but like I look, if someone holds a gun in my head and say, yeah, <laughs> told me I had to. Uh, there was no way Virginia was going to win this ACC tournament. I, yeah, I'd be a little nervous. I mean, there's no team in the in the ACC that I don't think Virginia can beat on any night. And really, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. And Virginia could lose in the first game. And I don't know that outside of Carolina, there's probably another another team in the conference who can't say the exact same thing. And I also think too, and let's let's be real about this. The loss to 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 West Virginia, um, the loss to Villanova, um, the loss to Pitt. Um, these are games that Virginia should have won, and so in a way, this streak it, it's it's painful because it shouldn't be as bad as it even looks, right? You know what I mean? You just see what I'm saying? Like they're yeah, better, yeah. they're better than than what they even like. Even if even if you say okay, this is a, an historically bad streak. And it's tough uh, for for us to process. Like, okay, that's cool, but and and, it, and even if you say like, okay, well, this is historically bad, but they're not quite this bad. They actually should be better, even than they are, right? And I think that's one of the frustrating things is consistency in this program was something you could always count on, you know. But that, like I said, that loss to to West Virginia, uh, the the loss to Florida State, the way it happened, obviously the loss to um, to Villanova and the way it happened. The loss yeah, Syracuse, to Syracuse, Miami. you know, the way it happened. <laughs> like, if you think about it, it's not just – it's the cumulative effect of the losses. It's and, and, and clearly the way that the last, you know, week and a half has gone, right? And so I want to I, I wanna, I wanna say two – like I said earlier, two things can be true at once. I want you to both feel like what you're feeling – with the frustration you're feeling is totally natural. Like, you're completely bona fide in being angry and upset and because your team is, is, is being almost like um, – a shadow of itself, like consistency is gone. They can't all of a sudden can't can't score. You know, you, you, folks are questioning you. Now I get it that you're frustrated. It makes total sense to me. At the same time, I'm like, but you know your team better than anybody, right? And like you know, you know that this team is better than that. All right, there are some fundamental issues with this group. They don't have a post player. Their best guy is not quite an alpha. You know, he he is in some in some ways, and you know, in terms of his attitude and the way he carries himself, and the, I think the work he puts in because I do think Perantes is a hard worker. But he's not physically able to be Malcolm Brogdon. He's not physically able to be Justin Anderson. He's not physically able to be Joe Harris. You know, like there's a reason those guys were the alphas. And in some ways, I think because he is a facilitator by nature, it's tough for him to to take over games. He needs other guys to be better. And so then I think he feels the he feels that weight. I mean, like I said before, he's compl- he is v- he's acutely aware of the weight on his shoulders right now. Um, and and he, and he, and he's and he's also played a whole lot of games, man. Like I, I don't physically. He, I mean, his shot just he doesn't look right. Um, and I'm not look. I'm not trying to like you know drop some innuendo. These hurt. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like he looks gassed. And I think part of that ga- being gassed is that he's he's got a lot of miles on him, and he's being asked to do a lot of different things. He's both being asked to like facilitate and get the team going, right, and also get himself going, right. Uh, and at, at the same time, he's being asked, I think, to play a little bit above his station. Like he's not quite—he's not a bulldog defender the way Bub was. He's not a great defender the way uh, Brogdon was. He's a good—he's a good defender, but he can't all of a sudden change the defense's fortunes by himself. And so I think that 
the pressure that that, that that these guys are feeling is enough. Like, they know, they trust me, they know, like, what they're supposed to be and what they're not being right now, right? And I'm not saying you let them off the hook. I'm just saying be human about it, you know? And I'm not, I don't, I'm not dumb enough to believe like a thread on a message board or somebody coming at me with some tweets is going to like all of a sudden put more pressure on them. I'm not saying they're delicate snowflakes. What I'm just saying is, is like, if you were them, what would you hope people would be saying? You would hope at least the fans would have their back. And listen, like I said before, I get you're frustrated. I get that you, you deserve to be, I mean, it's bad. I get it. But at the same time, like keep some context, keep some, some semblance of, um, Ground yourself, I guess, a little bit, you know, and in, in something in that at least uh, looks like and feels like reality. Um, real quick, let's talk about the NC State game Saturday. I have not looked at King, Kim Palm today to s- to see what the uh, what the um, uh, likelihood is of a Virginia win. But at this point, until Virginia wins another game, I'm probably going to just assume uh, that it is going to be tough. Um, how do you feel, Dave, about this upcoming game uh, with uh, with NC State? Hmm. I mean, it's hard to feel confident about anything right now. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that being on the road is a bad thing for this team right now. Um, I mean, that London and every, other players have talked about how they enjoy being on the road now. Recent. <laughs> Recent results haven't played that out, but um, you know we're not exactly going to go into a raucous environment at NC State. So from that point, it comes down to what do you get from NC State? I mean, I thought that at points against Georgia Tech the other night they looked superb. Um, and look, any team that's got a guy as talented as Smith with the you know with a team that slows down, you know, runs at our pace, there's always a possibility of getting beat. So the one good thing I'll say is you know. NC State doesn't have any consistent number two guy. They, you know, they've got some good, great players, but um, you know, Smith is Smith is the uh, the big dog. So my guess is we'll try to force him to be a passer the whole game. Um, but yeah, it's look, it's one Virginia should win. You know, if, if you take away this this recent streak, I, you know, I don't think we would any of us would have been worried about this game. You know, two weeks ago. Uh, actually, I can always, assure you, we, we were talked not. About, yeah, <laughs> so when, when we talked about the uh, the the stretch they were going to be on, we always like, all right, well then they get NC State, so it'd be kind of a you know a breather, so to speak. Yeah, I could take a break. So, I mean, look, it there'll be people stepping a little further out in the ledge if they don't pull this one off. But um, I mean, it, it's a it's a team that plays undisciplined ball, playing for you know the weirdest situation I can ever remember with the head coach. Um, but like I said, they've got that one guy who can drop 40 on you. And when your team's struggling to score 65, you know, 60, heck, 50 recently, um, that's a problem. Still think Virginia will pull it off, but, you know, it's not, a, it's not the cakewalk it, it could have been a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely, um, you, you know, that's definitely, I think it's concerning. It's concerning whenever you play a team that has a kid like Dennis Smith. I mean, he's the closest version to Allen to Allen Iverson I've seen since Allen Iverson, and they have. There's no narrative. There's no rallying cry better than us against the world. Nobody believes in us, right? And so I think that that is. Um, 
you know, I, I, that's tough. I mean, I, I, I'm like you. I feel, I feel like Virginia should win the game. But at the same time, you look at that talent that NC State has, and now that you, you, you wonder with Godfrey's fate known – if that doesn't take some of the pressure off. Because, I mean, a lot of these guys know they're not coming back, you know? Like, a lot of these guys are either going pro here or going pro somewhere. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, if you had to pick a score, what would you say? I'd say 68 to 60, who's somewhere in there. If Virginia wins, could be 85 to 40. If we lose, no. I think 68 60 is who's win. Kim Palm has it right now as a um, – as a nine-point uh, victory um, with a 78% uh, win percentage uh, likelihood. He still has Virginia as a 60% uh, favorite to win uh, against Carolina. He hasn't won in their last three in a row, um, which, would put would nice. at, which would put them at 11-7, and 21-9, um, which you know feels very different than 18-12, uh, and 12, um, <laughs> obviously. Um and I wonder, though, how much of that is on the fact that, to him, Virginia still has the nation's best defense. But here, look, let me give you a, let me give you a narrative that very easily could be true, okay? Virginia goes down to North Carolina State, makes eight threes, uh, beats, beats NC State by 18, mm-hmm. all right? They come back home. They get, you know, they only get a, they get a short amount of rest, right? They come back home for Carolina on Monday. And let's say they win that game close, Right. But in that game, they're able to hit some threes. The shots are the, the points are coming a little better. Maybe the defense steps up, but it's still close. Let's say they win, like Kim Palm says, 67-64. They go into Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh game. There's some revenge on the line. They're, they're playing for seeding. They're feeling good. And they've also gotten a nice little rest, right? They've gone from Monday to Saturday before they have to play again. And they win that game. So now let's say they did win those three in a row. That's a completely, what I just, what I just laid out for you, right, completely plausible completely right i didn't i didn't say anybody had to drop 40 i didn't say anybody had to shoot 19 of 21 from three right all i'm saying is is that um that it is completely possible and very i don't want maybe we don't have to get lightly but it's very possible that, that that's the way it plays out i mean look state is so helter skelter you never know what you're going to get from them Carolina's got to come from Pittsburgh to Virginia from from a, for a Saturday Monday game, right? They get both of those on the road, all right. Um, as bad as they just beat Virginia, and knowing that they got to look ahead to Duke, um, you know, and then Pittsburgh and they're playing Louisville tonight, right? Right, yeah. So I mean, it's just one of those deals where if this team wins three in a row, are you going to feel dramatically better? Probably you will, right? Because if they won three in a row, you're like, okay. Especially if they shoot some three, if they hit the shots a little bit better, okay. Ooh. But and that's natural, right? That's natural. And at the same time, they're the same team. They're the same team, and you can't let the results uh, blind you to that. And because the bottom line is, this was always a transitional year. Um, there's a there's a changing of the guard. Um, I, I think ultimately, and I, and I meant to mention this earlier, and it just occurred to me, and I realized we're 55 minutes in. The junior class. I, I said before the season that Virginia season. That was going to be determined by players who had played in Virginia jerseys previously. And I think that is very much true. It's Perantes, it's Wilkins, it's Hall, it's Thompson, Shayok, uh, Salt Reuter. It's guys who had played before. And the junior class, when, they're, when they were playing well, Virginia was very good. And when they weren't playing well, Virginia's not very good. And so this next stretch, it's going to be up to the junior class. We can talk about Guy and Jerome and Diakite all we want. It's about the junior class. The junior class, Virginia will go as far as that class takes them, and I, and I remain convinced of that. And I think that 
Um, they're better than what they've shown, but but at the same time, they, they got a lot they got to work on because that's a group I think that's that's way too inconsistent, and it's one of the biggest reasons why Virginia is kind of where it is. Um, anything else to come before the good order before we wrap up this week, Dave? I feel like this was I cathartic. I hope people have enjoyed our conversation about it. Um, hopefully, I won't get any angry emails. Um, but I kind of feel like uh, I feel like we we we've covered it well. Uh, I'll be curious to see what the uh, what some of the reaction will be. Um, but want to thank you for being on the podcast. Want to thank everybody out there for giving us a listen. As I say, uh, as I've said several times lately, make sure you check us out not just on the site, but you can also give us a, a listen on um, your favorite podcast app, um, whether that's the podcast apps on uh, iOS that come to you by default, or you want to download something like Overcast or. Uh, find something in the Android or the Google Play Store. I don't have any idea what's over there, but um, we are. You can check us out. Search us the CavsCorner dot com or excuse me, Cavs Corner Podcast. Um, but anyway, thanks everybody out there for supporting the show as always. Thank you to David Spence for being on the show, and hopefully Ferber's e- internet will be back up next week so we can talk about uh, the the next two games uh, at that point. So uh, yeah, for David Spence, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner dot com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. <laughs>